The Insurance Brokers Podcast is brought to you by Sarah Myerscoff of Boston Tullis. Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerscoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Good morning, Adrian. Thank you so much for joining me again on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. It's great to have you here. Good morning, Sarah. Good to see you. Absolutely. So we did a podcast about six weeks ago now, I think, and we were talking specifically around this generalist, specialist, broker sort of proposition. And one of the things that you guys were doing at the time was some uh, market research in, 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 in this topic. And I know that you've had the results back and this is what we're going to have a conversation about today. So um, I wonder if you want to give a bit more of an intro as to where you've got to with this this topic and um, then we can dive into some of the detail. Yeah, of course, Sarah, I can. Um, So the timing of the podcast last time was fantastic. So we had the research out in the field at that time. Um, We were trying to get uh, uh, responses back. Um, And, you know, that that podcast gave us a real opportunity to to promote it a little bit wider than we were already doing at that point. Um, So we were in the market with this piece of research sort of April, May. Um, And the reason for the reason for doing it, there's a big big link here to um, our rebrand project and um, uh, I I can't unfortunately put up anything in the background with my branding but uh, if I could I would Um, so um, big a big part of the theme of our rebrand is about ecclesiastical as a specialist insurer um, because that is ultimately what we are so um, we were then interested to explore more about the broker market and what the drivers uh, for specialism have been uh, with brokers. Um, why have they specialized? Is specialism important? Um, what are the what, what what is important if they do see it as important? And uh, that's basically what the research was all about. I think one of the things we talked about last time, again, which uh, I picked up a few things in the results uh, that I've had a look at, is the definition of specialism and actually it's quite broad when we talked about it last time not just as being a particular industry but a particular client a particular product a particular geographical location so we are talking about all kinds of sort of ways in which you differentiate as being an expert in one particular area aren't we yeah and i think that's i think it's really interesting so over half of the brokers that we surveyed recognise themselves as being specialist. Um, that's quite a lot, really. Um, and and what I should also say is that since we've had the research that we're talking about today, we've been we've been working through a series of uh, broker roundtables with more intimate discussions with small groups of brokers, and we're sort of halfway through that process. And 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 this is one of the things that we've been talking about there as well. Is okay. What what does what does specialism mean to you? And and often we've got a very mixed group. So you can imagine we did a roundtable with schemes brokers who almost by default and by definition are specialists. That is what they do. And, and they all strongly really recognised everything. Now, the, the other roundtables that we do tend to be more mixed and there'll be a mixture of um, provincial and super regional and, and national brokers. 
often who have got some specialism or some specialist business unit, but might not necessarily be in specialists in totality, yet they can still recognize that they are specialists, but they might describe it in a different way. And as I think, as you said, I think is that because they see themselves strongly as their specialism is they are a community broker and that is what they do and they don't step outside of that. Or is there specialism that they are the broker to the widget manufacturers and that's all they do and they don't step outside of that. Um, and, and then and then the, the, the I think the interesting conversation after that is, OK, so how deep does that specialism need to go? Um, because if it's a very sort of thin veneer, it gets picked away very quickly and, and really there's not a lot of substance. Um, and, and then I think that that's led us in and through the research actually, the researchers said, you know, spending time in the end customer's environment, being embedded in the customer's world, understanding their issues, their concerns, what's going on in their environment is really, really important. And that's what makes, I think, all of the brokers who've taken part in the survey and the brokers that we're talking to through the round tables, um, that's what makes them specialists. You know, they, they, they invest time and energy, they see the importance of that. Um, and you know, the, the source of that specialism can come from different places. You know what I think is interesting through, through the insights that you've shared is this um, personal affinity to the specialism. So some of the questions that you've asked around is sort of how did you come to be a specialist in this area? And it comes out quite strongly that there's a, you know, there's a personal interest or something you're particularly good at or, you know, a background in, you know, something not insurance, which is as as bridged that gap. I think that's quite an interesting proposition. Yeah, I think personal interest comes comes through quite strongly. Um, I think the uh, the other the other thing um, I can think of one conversation with with one broker who said, "Well, look, actually, it's where my career started. I started my career, and then I got interested in because I because we were we were insuring this type of business, um, and it's gone from there." So, is that personal interest? Yeah, I think it is. It's not you know not in the same way as it's it's a hobby or a passion outside of business but but within business recognizing those that commonality and then and then and then becoming interested in it um, and taking the time and effort to be interested um, and find out more I'm reading a, a book at the moment called the future of insurance by Brian uh, Falchuk and it's it's only just come out so it's a new book to the market and um, he's done quite an interesting thing he's done case studies of seven startups and done a bit of a comparison, so uh, sort of MGA and carrier startups, uh, and done a bit of a comparison with, with composites. And one of the case studies is a company, an American company called Thimble Insurance. I don't know if you know it, but the, the founder of Thimble Insurance was not uh, an insurance expert. He was an expert, you know, he'd set up and run businesses around transport. So e-courier, Halo, taxi firms, you know, trying to take on Uber and that kind of stuff. But one of the things that he came out of these businesses with was a strong knowledge of the gig economy. When he went back to America, he got interested in drones and realized that actually drone insurance was not a thing back then. And the only alternative was aviation insurance. So that's how he ended up on his journey. I found that really interesting. No, no insurance connections, no no knowledge of insurance but a really strong understanding that the product was not there was no product that was fit for purpose for this group of people 
I find that really interesting. And then it goes through his journey about what the really important aspects of, of, of setting up his business were, of which compliance and uh, capacity were two. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. And, and I had a conversation with um, Gary Williamson a while ago when he was at, at South Essex, and he was talking about their equestrian facility came from, from horse people. You know, they, they real genuine interest and, and you build out from there. So I think the personal interest side is is uh, is really interesting. I think and I, th I think we you, you would recognize that when we you know, when we do when we deal with brokers, especially. Oh, I'm going to go back to that default of schemes, but there's you know, we've got plenty of fantastic scheme brokers that we deal with. who have got fantastic schemes that link back to a personal interest. You know, somewhere in there, there'll be something that, that has driven that because of that. But I, I think the, the only thing I'd say under this sort of topic of specialism is let's not pigeonhole it to be just that. You know, it can be it can be broader than that, I think. And, and I think when over half of the brokers responding to our survey said they recognise themselves as specialists, that's because it, there is a breadth in how they how they how they kind of define that. But what they all do. And the really important thing is that spending time in the customer's environment, you know, whatever that whatever that means, whether that's in that really, really niche area or whether that's in the broader sort of community communities piece. You know, you could still be a specialist in your community seen as the specialist and you spend time and embed yourself in that community. Mm. And I, I like what you said earlier about where, the depth of, of speciality. There was there was one insight that I picked up, which was what type of specialist business do you place? And the answer, 14% said all types. So I was really interested in that. Again, not being facetious, because I absolutely understand there are brokers that are specialists in lots of different areas because they've got specialist teams. But I think it, it must be really interesting for you to be unpicking that kind of insight through your, your broker briefings. Yeah, and it's interesting the way the, the broker briefings are going in sort of different directions as well. So, you know, the, the research is just the, it's just the stimulus um, for the conversation, really. And it's been, um, it's been interesting uh, where the, the direction and each one so far has gone in, in something of a different, different direction, um, which is really good for us. And, you know, fantastic insight for us in, in terms of um, uh, how brokers see the market, um, their view of the importance of specialist insurers, because, you know, let's, you know, let's let, let's cut to it. You know, why are we doing it? Well, we've got a vested interest here as a specialist insurer. You know, how important is that? And um, and that comes through really strongly. Yeah, actually, placing business with a specialist insurer is is really really important. Uh, and eighty four percent of of brokers, when asked, said that that would be their preference is to, to work with specialists. So that's great validation for us. Um, um, but it, it it's how do we then hook into that? as an opportunity and, and also to support those brokers in growing their businesses. One of the things that interested me on, on what you're saying there is, um, is this idea, and it does come through in some of the research, this idea that being a specialist makes you more um, acquirable, you know, if that, if your succession planning is ultimately to, to sell. And I did a podcast one of the, the early podcasts I did, I did one with Tim Johnson and one with Peter Blanc, both obviously who are heavy in the uh, consolidation market. And both of them made a point of saying when they are looking at businesses, they are looking at having a business that has a specialism in something. It doesn't matter what, just something. And the very first podcast I did was, was 
with Peter Cullum and he said, in whatever industry you're in, whatever you're doing, be top three in something. And that's sort of a, you know, a further validation for the, for the results that are coming out of this, how important that is. And I think from a marketing and sales perspective, it comes down to focus. Once you've got a specialism, you've got a real laser sharp focus as to where your sales uh, resource is putting its time, where your marketing resource is putting its time, where your business development and strategic decisions are, are headed. So I think it's really important on, on a number of different levels. I think it's about clear proposition, isn't it? I think I think businesses that specialise have got a clear uh, market proposition. Um, and one reason amongst those reasons why I think they're attractive from an investment position um, or, a, you know, a, a, an acquisition position um, is because they have a proposition. They have a market, so they have a definable market in which they can grow, assuming there's headroom for them to grow. Um, and invariably they have a place. So they have they have something that a, a brand or something, a position in that market that you can build on. And they've all got financial value. You know, if you just say, hey, look, I'm great, I'm a I'm a generalist, I do all sorts of I do all sorts of things. What's my proposition? I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not so sure. How 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 investable therefore am I as a business? probably not as investable as I would be if I was if I was a specialist so I think that that's true and I linked to that the other bit that I thought was really interesting and was about um, employee development and engagement as well so uh, whilst on one side the research says yeah we're, we're more investable <clears throat> which I think we're both agreeing um, it also said you know it also helps us attract develop and engage our employees as well same thing though isn't it at the core it's because Actually, I really like that, that this business is a business that's got a really clear proposition, a really clear purpose. And depending on what it is, it's something I'm really, actually, I'm really interested in that. Mm. Um, so it might be about, you know, it might be about charity. It might be about classic cars. You know, it might be about musical instruments. It might be about, gosh, there's so many things. Mm. Or, as we were saying earlier, it might be because, actually, I'm this community thing is really important to me and, and being able to position myself as a professional advisor in this particular community you know that's that attracts me as a specialist so I think I think a lot of it does link back to having that really clear and identifiable proposition. I'm gonna pick up on something you said there and it's a it's a question I'm gonna pick up on something you said there and it's a question I've got a, a question for you one of the pieces of education training and support that we do with some of our clients is around this idea that as an insurance advisor you're actually a business advisor so you should be able to advise on a number of different things that play into an insurance product but also either solve other business issue, issues or at least be able to signpost to partners you know these guys can help with your wealth management these guys can help with your risk management etc so this idea and i love this quote uh, we're, we're no longer um, a provider of of solutions but a diagnoser of issues and a solver of uh, solutions i've messed that up but essentially that's the idea so actually 
one of the things we're talking about is getting in your client's market and understanding business, their industry, that, you know, what's coming in the, the, the industry future trends, what, what's happening in this particular business. Are they trying to innovate different products so that, you know, all of this kind of stuff, right? One of the insights that came out of your um, survey is sort of suggests that that additional value added services is a lower priority than uh, some of the other things. And I'd really like your input on that. Yeah. So again, you know, we, you get the, so you, you do these things, don't you? you get the survey and you get the survey results and you look at it and there, there will always be something that you think that doesn't quite, that doesn't quite fit with conversations that we typically have. And, and that finding from the research doesn't quite fit. <clears throat> and it doesn't really fit with the discussions we've been having with brokers in the round table environments either, who I think all recognise um, that actually being able to be that trusted advisor, being able to have insight across the sector for which their client is actually operating in adds real value and does differentiate them. You know, increasingly we all, whether we're insurers or we're brokers, we want to move away from just selling the product. You know, we, we, that's certainly been our, the journey that we've been on for, for quite some time is to, as a specialist, to generate insight about the areas that we operate in, enable us to have underwriters who understand the issues that the ultimate end client is facing, share that and work with that with our broker partners so that they can have those same conversations and, and lead, the, lead the client to an insurance solution, but not lead with an insurance solution. Because if you lead with an insurance solution, you're just selling product. If you lead to, you're offering advice, you're, you're demonstrating understanding of the sector which your client operates in. Um, so yeah, we were a little bit little surprised by that piece that came out in the research. And it's one thing that again, has been, I think in all of the round table so far we've talked about. And um, there's a far greater, I think, swell of opinion towards that being an advisor and being embedded in the sector and understanding the issues and, and being happy to introduce from outside of just insurance to be seen to add value. Mm. I think that's really, really interesting. So some of the work we're doing at the moment is with um, one of the larger brokers that has a lot of um, a lot of different areas for you know risk management all sorts of, of value add services and the work that we're doing is around how we can get new from existing and how we can get the client uh, the account directors to actually introduce or to understand that actually this product might be interesting this product might be interesting and the work we're doing is around knowledge of, of, of the account uh, director, the sort of the process involved around it and then how to sort of maximize and coach uh, people to, to do this kind of stuff so it's really interesting the aim is there and I, and I can see in lots of the conversations and, and you've just validated that in terms of the conversations you're having and again it's how deep does that go how embedded is that and how how do we build on that to make it instinctive rather than I know this is what I should be doing because that's where I think a lot of people find uh, things a bit difficult because I know insurance and actually, yeah. I'm a little yeah. bit nervous about advising on this or advising on that. I don't know where to go to get the information. Yeah. I have that kind of thing is, is some of the work that we do, which I'm finding really interesting. And, and also, I think, you know, I think the other thing, it, 
it's not easy. <clears throat> That's one thing I would say. It's not easy. We've got the the scars to prove that it's not easy because, <clears throat> as I say, from a, as a from a from us as a business, then we've been on this journey about change, trying to change the narrative and trying to change the dialogue, to talk about <clears throat> uh, to use insight, to talk about the issues in the specialist sectors, and to uh, lead brokers and and help brokers lead customers lead them to insurance as a solution now that's broken that's breaking all sorts of things that we've done for, for years you know we, we've we've all been brought up especially if you're of a certain age unfortunately selling products on features and benefits it's boring it's dull it does it you know everybody can do that there's no differentiation and it doesn't demonstrate that you understand the issues of your client client but unfortunately it's where we all go because we're confident in that <clears throat> and and doing it in a different way so you know, if I take our um, business development team, they've been on this journey about, you know, so, you know, leading to the product and using insight and being able to talk about all the insight that we produce. In the round tables, we've talked to brokers about that. We have got loads of insight. Our challenge is getting you guys to use it with customers. But we have a wealth of insight that will we guarantee it will open doors for you. We guarantee you will sell business if you use it but it's breaking habit isn't it and i think that that is that is one of the challenges when you talk to and in the research here when you talk about when you talk to brokers um who are really clearly identified as specialists you know they have a deep specialism in a particular area they don't need to be led to that because that's what they do that that is absolutely what they do and and they don't need to be convinced about the value of um working with different advisors or solving other problems um because that's what they do so it's it's this it's, I, I think it's a it's a it's how deep is that specialism and then how comfortable are you with the subject matter and if you see yourself as selling product then you're not really a specialist anyway and that comes back to a value proposition that that is the core of every decision that is made. And I think it is so interesting. Adrian, I have really enjoyed having this conversation with you this morning. The insights are, like you say, a really good foundation to build on in the conversations that you are having in your broker briefings and, and round tables. So I'm really grateful that you've, that you've been able to share that with us. And if anybody listening uh, wants to chip in on this conversation or contact Adrian or myself with any additional insights, thoughts, etc., then please do. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for your time, Adrian. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.